guys, welcome back. I'm Sara, one of the hosts of the show Drop the Mic. This is episode 16 of Reverb Radio. Today we have with us the heads of Pandemonium, Nikhil and Atrey. Hi guys, I'm Atrey, batch 2022 and I'm the head of Pandemonium. Hi, I'm Nikhil. I'm batch 2022 as well and I'm Pandemonium secretary. Cool. So today we will be talking about a whole lot of music including the effects the pandemic has had on the industry, several other updates and our insights on how music has played a significant role in representing communities, artists, people involved in several events occurred in the past year uh, with our guest from Vandemonium. So The music industry has been hit hard by coronavirus with live performance revenue being the biggest casualty. A 6-month shutdown is estimated to cost the industry more than 10 billion in sponsorships with longer delays being even more devastating. The industry is fighting back though with new ways to monetize music consumption and innovative models. The crisis is likely to accelerate underlying trends in the music industry based especially on the importance of streaming. Now, when we talk about the global music industry, it's worth over 50 billion with two major income streams. The first being live music, which makes up over 50% of the total revenue and is derived mainly from sales of tickets to live performances. Um in regard to which we will be having a really big discussion I think pretty soon. Um the second being recorded music, which combines revenue from streaming, digital downloads, physical sales and synchronization revenues. TV as well as advertising. Now, in the wake of the pandemic, when it comes to sales and streaming, physical sales, which represent a quarter of recorded music revenues, are down by about one third um, with the closure of retail stores, while digital sales have fallen around eleven percent. This aligns with general falls in discretionary spending. Evidence also shows that the way people listen to music is changing in light of the coronavirus. What do you guys think of it, Atrey and Nikhil? I think one of uh like in the beginning of the pandemic especially you could see uh so ever since there has been the pandemic and the lockdown and all of the restrictions that came with it it, it has been a uh, a more for people for for musicians especially for prepping for the future right because uh one would one can safely assume that it'll be a while before things go back to the old normal So but I think there can also be two major like uh, approaches that you could identify in the first half of the pandemic and in the second half of the pandemic wherein in the first half people were looking for more temporary solutions until they got back to the live stage etc but as time progressed you could see people focusing on instead of stalling in uh, embracing the new platform the digital media platform and trying to adapt their music and they are acts in the long run for those platforms instead of just kind of hoping that things change so that's something i observed that's pretty cool etre yeah i mean pretty much what nikhil said but also i feel like throughout this whole time after of the pandemic it's made things both inaccessible and accessible at the same time and thankfully we live in a world where technology is so advanced and you know we can listen to music on our on our phones and like on spotify and all these uh, various streaming apps but to one extent like me though i really miss going out and you know listening to music from a live performance like we have this place uh, nearby and they used to do jazz music every thursday and 
very bougie, very like posh, but like it was a really good time. And I really miss, you know, the kind of environment and, you know, the ambience that that built. And I think that's one thing which regardless of, you know, how much musicians kind of prepare to take on technology and, you know, shift everything online, nothing can really replace the thrill or the adrenaline that performing on stage can kind of give you. I know like this time we had a lot of online concerts and even though online concerts are a good way to kind of fill in that gap to an extent, it has no, it doesn't even come close to the kind of feeling of, you know, listening to live music. So I think that's something which I really hope like we can go back to it as soon as possible. But that's all I kind of hope that we can do, which is that, you know, build as much of this ambience as we can within our own homes and within our own environments. And I hope that one day we can all go back to how it used to be, even if it's with masks and everything. Yeah, definitely. I can already imagine like 50,000 people in the stadium all wearing masks and gloves and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Nikhil? Uh, yeah, I was just saying that I agree with Atrai when she says that we're waiting for things to go back to how they were before because the live concert space, etc. was definitely uh, enjoyable and it was an experience in itself. But in the meantime, like just to play devil's advocate, I'd also say that there are some pros to uh, the way music is being done now because uh, like if you're listening to music on a set of headphones or a set of speakers instead of like a live PA system, you're, you're going to hear a lot more. It's going to be a lot more intricate. Eminent music is written to pa- like that. Then uh, it might not be the big experience it used to be before when there were live gigs. But I think it betters the, in my opinion, it has a positive effect on the quality of music that comes out because people are listening more intently because they're not, you know, blinded by lights or inebriated or just their focus is solely on the music when they're listening to it in their house. So as far as the quality of the sound itself goes, I think it has a positive effect to some degree. Definitely. I mean, when we when we talk about live music, I mean, we definitely see such a big impact. But even on social entertainment services, I mean, we were talking about the importance of uh, streaming on on the industry. And, you know, while there was some impact on our social entertainment services, we've, we've seen some moderate recovery from the pandemic. Um, and many, many platforms, uh, many music platforms such as Spotify, iTunes and stuff like that. I mean, they've... Uh, they've experienced quite a change in their consumer routines. Um, I was reading this article the other day that um, said that in the first quarter of 2020, online music subscription revenues increased by 70% over the year. Um, And Spotify, which also added subscribers during the first quarter of the year, has stated that they experienced a lot of changes in customer routines, saying that daily habits were reflective of weekend consumption. Like people would listen to much more relaxing genres and uh, they were rising popularity. I think Nikhil has a lot to say about that when we were, because we, before we started recording, we were talking a little about um, how certain genres of music have now started to come up much more significantly. Um, yeah, definitely. I think that also uh, plays in with who you're writing your music for. So before, like Atrai pointed out previously, there was a there was a 
like we had this phase where it was a lot of uh, electronic music and EDM music, which was kind of propelled by the fact that there were these international EDM artists coming to India to perform. So that was a lot of music that people were listening to. But uh, now I think that has kind of changed and the focus is a lot more on uh, modern music that has its basis in more traditional concepts. Like I notice a lot of uh, jazz chords being used in these uh, loop lo-fi music. So it's still modern, but I think they're focusing more on quality rather than quantity. And I think that's nice. Surprisingly, one of the most popular genres of this year was actually disco, which is ironic because disco was made for the dance floor and there was zero dancing on the dance floor this year. But regardless of the fact that there were no packed venues and, you know, no one was dancing on a in a club or anything, I think you got that experience at home. And you were also kind of just connecting with the music itself and the kind of joy that joy and like straight up happiness that disco music kind of provides, like the serotonin. And I think that's something which is very interesting also to note because I know, I think Dua Lipa's songs were very disco-based, even Doja Cat's songs are very disco-based. And I think that's very interesting to see this re-emergence of genres in a time like this as well. Yeah, have you guys heard the new Justin Bieber music, as odd as that is? But... Even his music seems to have transitioned. Like, I don't know if you guys saw that um, Tiny Desk home concert. But it's not its not the pop music it used to be. It's not pandering to audiences. It's just different. Like, he has a bit of rock in there. There are a lot of interesting chords he does. I think he also benefited from the lockdown, you know, and his listeners. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think artists have begun to like alter their um, their genres or their style of writing, their style of singing with the pandemic. I also think, I don't know if you guys would agree with this, but I feel like many artists have become a little more relaxed with their music. Like I, some artists have started to incorporate the, the concept of quarantine and um, lockdown into their songwriting. So you hear people and... Um, certain singers talking about uh, singing actually about um, their lockdown experiences um, and even incorporating the whole lockdown thing with their um, with their music videos and how they represent their music because um, I remember we would so Nikhil took the example of Justin Bieber his he had a song with Ariana Grande called Stuck With You and I remember the entire thing was like that was one of the first music videos I saw which was like completely filmed like on a it seemed like it was filmed on like a video call or something like that. It just had bits and pieces of videos in it. So that's that was pretty interesting to, to see how singers have started to alter the way they shoot music videos or they make music. Yes. Actually. And now for something completely different. You used to sense on So you could also see how the performances have been affected by the pandemic. A lot of K-pop groups actually this time had their concerts online. And just the quality of the stages, like the stage artwork that was taking place and the way that they were able to kind of uh, execute certain stages, they used a lot of like AR um, technology and things which and 
things which I really don't understand how they did it, but they did it. And it made the whole stage and the whole performance really stand out. Like they could not have done this if this was, you know, if they were confined to a stage as well, like a proper stage with people surrounding them. And I know earlier I said that nothing will really beat people being in front of you and singing and, you know, as an audience member. But as an audience member of that as well, I think the sheer grandiosity of the stages that they were able to pull off also really kind of shocked me. And also, yeah, it kind of shocked me because it was so well done and well executed. Definitely. Yeah, so since you mentioned like an alternative performance platform that's coming up because of the pandemic, uh, even Indian artists have a lot of, uh, have especially had to adapt to this because unless you are a mainstream Bollywood artist in an industry that is very Bollywood dominated, it's unlikely that you will have stable income when with such a massive change. So there were like some websites that have come up uh, as a result of the pandemic that go from moderate changes to a whole new uh, concept entirely. Like something like this website called Skillbox, which focuses on music streaming. Uh, So one of the biggest issues that musicians face right now is lag, right? Because there will be some sort of lag when you're streaming. And especially if you're trying to put a performance together from different locations. So Skillbox aims to reduce that. And then there's also something called Listen TV, which tries to make something donation-based. So there will be a band performing and you can donate like how you would do on Twitch, for example. And then there's something completely different called Alter TV, which aims to simulate a concert. And it has things like private dance rooms and you can buy an artist to drink and stuff like that. So I think there's a lot of interesting alternative options that are coming up. Yeah, this definitely brings us to this one, uh, you know, another source of revenue for the industry, which is distribution. So, I mean, we, you know, the pandemic has really intensified people's focus on news media and on different media platforms. So when we talk about the distribution side, you know, uh, there's a growing list of artists that have delayed the releases to later in the year or indefinitely you know in part this is due to the inability to use tours to promote new albums and live music in general uh, that has been dramatically affected an extensive list of major concerts and events have been cancelled in the past like one or two years now and many of them haven't even been rescheduled some of them are just completely cancelled or permanently shelved now as long as bands and large gatherings continue live performance revenue is almost zero effectively cutting the industry's total revenue in half tickets and merchandise sales aside a six-month shutdown or an indefinite lockdown is estimated to cost the industry more than 10 billion in sponsorships with longer delays being even more devastating in addition, the post-pandemic outlook appears challenging and growth forecasts for live music are expected to be revised significantly. Rebuilding a lot of consumer confidence in the sector will be quite difficult. So that really brings us to new ways that people have found to engage with fans. You know, in the initial wake of the bands on mass gatherings, some venues offered live streaming of performances. However, even these formats have been suspended as 
many of those sites have been closed so now artists are going directly to fans from their own homes using services like twitch instagram tv zoom youtube live and many other services you know this is not new but the pandemic has expanded the audience available and record labels are facilitating it by providing live streaming equipment to performers Streaming platforms have also enabled new monetization methods, including membership to artist channels, uh, like for example Twitch, that allows early or exclusive access to content, as well as virtual gatherings and paid commenting features. So, do you have you guys had any experiences with like seeing artists online, whether it's like local artists or just like going to open? Like I've had experiences with all my open mics that I used to do now. they've all gone online so we're all doing them on zoom many local artists here where i live they've started promoting their albums and stuff on zoom so have you guys have any experiences with that yeah so um i haven't had personally an experience but one of my friends actually um won a ticket kind of a situation on instagram to this local artist concert and um, she was describing the experience to me and seem like something which was extremely intimate even though it was on zoom and there were i think only 20 or 30 people who came for the performance itself and it was a very intimate way to kind of get to know the artist and their music and to talk with them and chill with them which is again something we couldn't have imagined before but it's becoming a reality now so it's intimacy all this this kind of intimacy which is also associated with these local concerts as well Yeah definitely I mean now we have artists coming to us right from their homes and from their living rooms and stuff so yeah and plus I mean who would have thought of zoom concerts or like skype concerts I think if somebody would have told me 2 years ago oh within 2 years time you'll be attending concerts on zoom and stuff I was like I no not at all Yeah plus like even all these bigger artists when they hold their concerts these people don't usually come to where we live so just being able to experience you know their music and their concerts and their stages is something which you know i don't know if we'll ever be able to do it and because everything is being held online we are being able to do it so that's also kind of fun thing to fun tidbit i guess yeah that is true like at least now if there is something to be watched it's there for everyone i mean short of not having an internet connection but you know like it's not that people somewhere in some part of europe are watching a concert live that you're watching on your phone everyone's watching it on their phone now and now it's made to be watched on the phone so it makes for a better experience for people who weren't able to experience it before like uh for example like how uh, sara mentioned the spotify had these uh drastic changes in their consumer consumption patterns uh like th- this is a bit of like a interesting dilemma almost i feel like now that there are uh because uh music is being consumed heavily on uh, spotify etc and these platforms um it has on one hand led to a lot of smaller artists kind of getting drowned out within the mix because i think when you have choice overload that's what happens especially when you're dependent on algorithms and stuff it's more likely for already established artists to be pushed further than for new artists uh but to spotify's credit they are developing programs to counter that and to uh, 
promote new artists but on the flip side that there are uh, like uh artists who are getting lost in the mix there are also more people looking for them because with the lockdown and etc there are more people consuming music i guess no that completely makes sense i mean um you know these new ways for musicians and labels and venue providers to engage with followers they might just be a strategy for stronger long term connection with audiences as atrey mentioned i mean being in let's say being in india many international artists they don't really you know they don't really come to do their concerts but um with all these online methods you know they could reach many countries and many audiences that they haven't or they maybe couldn't reach before with their tours and stuff uh yeah also uh since you mentioned like artists trying to diversify their avenues the it's also pushed a lot of artists to move beyond just trying to sell their music and to um sell their ability as an artist in se- instead like if you notice the indian music quote unquote scene for example uh now their live performances have shut it's pushed a lot of artists to try and market themselves better to other mediums that they can make income from so they've moved to say making music for advertisements or uh working in film or just diversifying their skills to make themselves more marketable and i think that helps because then you're not dependent on one ability or one income stream alone so if your music doesn't make 10000 hits you are not struggling to pay rent you know you have enough like you've made music for a film that's paying you a certain amount or you've made music for an ad or you're doing a sponsorship deal or i think it's just pushed people to hone their skills better and diversify them which in the long run is a good thing because that means that you're not dependent only on your audience to keep going you are more independent as an artist and then that in turn fuels your music because you are not worried about you know if this song isn't good i'm not going to be able to pay my rent you're just looking to make things you like and that's a good thing yeah i mean this definitely like could these all things could be a way for the music industry to get some long term gains you know as consumption has grown spending habits have changed while some consumers take on more subscription services at home others have opted out of subscriptions under financial pressure services with a dual business model are able to retain their customer relationship through the crisis churning into a free to consumer ad funded model until the economy recovers i mean as we mentioned before spotify has had so many i mean so many people i know have gotten on spotify or apple music what about you guys any music platforms that you recently subscribed to or gotten into i got really irritated with spotify's ads and i eventually gave in but yeah it's so annoying if i have to hear about this dude going on a road trip with his friends one more time straight behind yeah i was like sounds very deadly but i'm going to get a truck and i'm going to hunt down your car like, i don't want to hear about your road trip anymore okay i'll i'll subscribe it's fine you guys should just get youtube music i'm telling you it's youtube but in an app and you can minimize it Yeah, that's, that's what I also ended up like subscribing to YouTube Music because it's much better. Sponsorship club. 
Yeah, I mean, just like that, so many people have started to subscribe to so many. I mean, Amazon Music, YouTube Music, YouTube. I still, I'm, I'm still in the phase where I can bear the ads. Like every after every single video, there's like three ads, and I'm like, okay, you know what? I've got Spotify. No worries. I don't have to hear about the road trip guy anymore. So I can, I can bear with this. I can bear hearing about, I don't know, some like dishwasher or something. But that's also, I feel like. The the websites and like these streaming sites and apps are really abusing their power on the fact that we have no other no other option but to listen to music on these streaming apps and you know apps like Spotify, Apple Music. Um, okay, Apple Music comes you have need you need a subscription, but apps like Spotify, YouTube, they know that we'll get their music from them only, and they irritate us into wanting. The subscribe to watching the subscription, and it's really frustrating. Like I don't know if you've noticed, but for Spotify, initially it was you could have six skips and then you get a ad. Now it's gone down to two or three skips. Oh really? Yeah. So that's how it's like changed, and that's how much you know they're kind of badgering you almost into getting a, a Spotify subscription, and no one wants to be badgered into doing anything. But that's the economy that we live in these days, I guess. Uh, I think on the flip side, uh, the like okay, so either your subscription service or your ads are to generate revenue, right? But if you pay for a subscription service like for Spotify or YouTube, allegedly that is a lot more beneficial for the people who are like for the artists and creators on the platforms than it would be from ad revenue. So uh, I think that is also, it could be a good thing. Like you save yourself the ads and you're supporting the artists more than you would regularly. And you are also not selling your data. Yeah, that's true. But I would also just like to have more than two skips. <laughs> you know? Definitely. Oh, God. I mean, and I would like to stop seeing three ads in middle of like every youtube video that i see and i mean it's just it's it's become very annoying at this point i mean like i understand that aspect of you know supporting the artist and i'm totally for it in fact that's one of the reasons why i eventually also gave in to the subscriptions but it's just the method is so dirty it's so dirty exactly. in the way that they made us like kind of get irritated and subscribe. Yeah, exactly. It's like pushing somebody to their limits that, okay, at this point, I cannot take these anymore. If I want to hear a song, I don't want to wait like for five minutes to see like three ads and then hear it. I just want to hear it. And I mean, that's why also, I think apart from the methods, the one problem I have with Spotify, I'm like, please understand, I'm 18, I still use my mother's credit card. And my mother is somebody who who didn't, who was very much against like subscribing for all these things. But since the lockdown started, she's become one of the people who's like, who now has a subscription to everything. She's just like, I can't take it anymore. I don't want to see ads. I'm just very impatient now. I mean, and I think that's one method due to which Spotify has seen a really sharp rise in paid subscribers during the pandemic crisis as people have been locked down at home. Uh, Spotify said in a statement adding that total monthly active users rose from 27% to 3.5 million. That's a huge number. 
Now, earlier on, I had mentioned that uh, the global music industry uh, has two major income streams, one being recorded music uh, that comes from streaming and digital downloads, something that we've spoken about. And the second being uh, live music, which makes up over 50% of the total revenues and is derived mainly from sales of tickets and live performances. So I think now we can, now that we've discussed the whole streaming aspect of the business model of music, we can really start talking about, I think, the horrible effect that, and also the good effect that many live musicians have had. I mean, so many live musicians have, uh, and not uh, when I say that I talk about many local artists who had to cancel many tours and everything and may not be getting as much revenue from Zoom or YouTube that they may get from their like live performances. So, I mean, what's your opinion on all this, like your perspective? So I think we discussed this briefly earlier, but the music space is also very unequal. There's like, if depending on, you know, the kind of music you produce and where you are performing, it really changes the kind of income that you get and the kind of resources that you end up getting. So someone who is performing at like a cafe or at a bar for, you know, a smaller audience is not getting the same kind of money that musicians who are, signed up with record labels and the kind of resources that the musicians signed with record labels are getting. And the thing is that the people who will be most affected during the pandemic and during this lockdown that we can't go out will be those people who can't, uh, will, will be those people who perform at live gigs in cafes and restaurants. So that is one major loss of income because it's already so difficult for musicians to kind of you know, become known in the scene for gigs and stuff. And on top of that, the fact that many people don't even want to encourage people coming to their restaurants and clubs and bars for the sake of, you know, social distancing and things makes things extremely difficult. And that's why they've had to kind of look at other revenues like tiny online concerts. So like, um, I know, for example, SoFar has also gone online. And they have to look at these other aspects to in order to sustain themselves and continue doing what they love. But at the same time, they will have to eventually kind of stop doing that and look for other uh, other avenues for that, uh, for income as well, which is extremely sad because when you become a musician, I think you go into it with a certain mindset that you're going to do something you love. And then if you're someone who does solely live performances, then it becomes even more difficult in times like this. And that's, I think, one of the biggest uh, losses for the music industry during this pandemic, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that really brings us to this topic of finding solutions for artists um, across all levels, whether it be local artists or international artists, just to find, like, as, I mean, one of the, you know, for people hearing this, I mean, one of the ways you guys could support artists in the industry could be one, uh, if if the, you can, I mean, with all safety precautions, just try to maybe attend a few gigs that are socially distanced and everything. Or if you see any local artists doing any online Zoom gig, do join, do support. And as Nikhil said earlier, I mean, do subscribe to many of these online platforms just so you can support the artists financially as well as, um, you know, all in all other ways. So, yeah. Nikhil, what's your take on this? 
I think while it has been a loss of revenue, it's also um, yeah. So one of the things is that for uh, what caused an imbalance in the music industry was essentially the spending ability of different artists. Right, bigger artists could produce high, uh, like high production music videos. They could have tours, etc. And while those were sources of some income, they were essentially uh promotional tactics they were to promote the album promote the music but now that that can't be done i think that's even the playing field a little bit wherein uh, all artists regardless of their previous experience or previous levels of fame or success or any of that are competing for the same resources on the same amount of platforms so it has leveled the field a bit uh there was this interesting quote i don't remember by whom but uh i think it was Devraj Sanyal, he owns a music record company. Uh, he said that the pandemic will not cause uh, all music to fall off or the music industry to fall off. It'll just weed out the music that isn't as good and promote music that is better or more, like in terms of quality. Not like music is still subjective, but there's some objectivity to it. Yeah, for sure. Like you know, we can see we discussed this earlier about how EDM songs were kind of stopped, kind of stopped being popular, and that genre of dance music and the genre of like you know, literally electronic music was kind of on a decline because we could see this incline in lyrical in more in songs which had a more lyrical value. If that makes sense, and. Uh, that's going to be a side effect of the pandemic, I feel, because people will start looking for songs that not only can they jam to, but also something that they can connect to and something that, you know, makes them feel something, whatever the feeling may be. I've noticed this a lot personally as well. I found myself going back to 2013 emo, <laughs> My Chemical Romance days. But yeah, nice. I had a whole mood, but... You know, those lyrics, again, kind of spoke to me and that's going to become something which I feel more apparent moving forward, which is that these songs, which previously only relied, a lot of them at least relied on a hook and something which was more digital and something characterized as sound, as a, sorry, noise music, nice to dance to, but not really nice to listen to. Uh, it'll become more popular from here on out as people start looking for something that they can kind of emotionally also relate to and lyrically relate to. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why, but whenever through, throughout like the last five minutes when we were talking about solution and music industry, like these two words in one sentence, the only thing revolving in my head is TikTok. Because that's been such a big solution to the music industry for like local artists um, or just small time artists, you know, uh, it's, it's just... Uh, I mean, so like this whole genre of indie music also has become so popular. Like these days I hear people talking about, uh, oh, have you heard this song? And I say, oh, that's a TikTok song. They're like, no, that's an indie song. And I piss off a lot of indie music fans. But yeah, so sorry for that. But yeah. Um, another thing, a lot of old songs have become really popular. And now suddenly all these people are listening to Arctic Monkeys and like, you know, saying I'm indie. But really, like, that song's been popular forever. 
but yeah i mean but it is giving like uh, the sojourns to all these songs and uh, recent and people are discovering music because of it like uh, most recently there was a song called runaway by aurora which i had never heard of this artist before or this song but i only discovered because i was watching aesthetic videos on tiktok so yeah it's a good way to like discover music from indie artists but also artists who are not so well known so yeah exactly i mean so many artists have been uh, you know artists have released uh, not even artists actually just people in general who like uh, doing music who think of singing as a hobby they've maybe released one little cover on tiktok and it has blown up till an extent where they've been like signed like signed by record labels and companies so that's a really great thing and yeah and i mean as you said so many people are reverting back to old music and all these old genres i think that's also because not a lot of new music is being released these days as i said before artists aren't releasing new music cuz they don't really have any i mean not any but they have quite limited ways to promote it so that's it but yeah i mean i find myself listening to like 2000 kumar sanu songs so yeah but also i would also maybe suggest that tiktok give as much of an equalizer it is in terms of music and the kind of you know music discovery some people <clears throat> are not maybe um, are getting too much of a benefit out of it you know like uh, certain people who got famous on tiktok and think they have talent and you know using auto tune to like sing and stuff and they get like a lot of good promotion on jimmy fallon and all that because they are popular on tiktok but for reals they are not but the fact that tiktok has given rise to this kind of everyday celebrity culture is equally as harmful as it is beneficial to you know small time musicians it's a double edged sword i would say Yeah definitely i mean all these uh, people have really some of these people have really overshadowed uh, good time musicians so yeah uh, i think also more than who is on the platform i think the platform itself is not conducive to uh, sustainable music growth like uh, first of all it's only 30 seconds and that i mean like try writing a song for 30 seconds that doesn't work you have to either highly compromise on the quality of the song or something like it's about making cuts you can't fit a song in 30 seconds so and also that means that you're bringing down your audience's attention span to 30 to 35 seconds and they're not going to want to go back to listening to a 3 minute song so i don't think that's too like conducive to the music industry because more artists like because if it becomes just about tiktoks then it's just going to be just 30 second hooks essentially and that's not no music i don't think you can count any music to be good if it's just pandering to one certain hook and that's on repeat i mean that's what edm did but at least they did it for 4 minutes ago right so that yeah i think the format itself yeah. is not conducive conducive for music which makes sense because it's not a music platform like people are using it to promote their music but what's happening right now is that it's kind of backfiring and creating a dependency on the platform for artists instead of the plat- artists being able to use the platform to promote their music so that could be a downside of tiktok especially like it, it creates this whole trend culture where one person does one thing and everyone around the globe does the same thing that goes against essentially what music is about about original music or something unique but if everyone's doing the same thing then like 
just as an investment in the industry it seems like a very short term profit at the cost of long term like sacrifice of long term gains because you're like hatching away at bits of the industry by doing that yeah that's definitely true i mean all these trends and stuff they really are undermining many many original compositions by artists that that are not getting recognized because as um, as atrey said i mean it's definitely a double edged sword yeah it's like it's it's not only that it's undermining artists it's also influencing artists like uh okay let's take john mayer for example now he's someone who wouldn't be overshadowed on tiktok if he came on tiktok he would be overshadowing people right but the thing is now if he's sitting to write music for a 30 second format his music is going to be drastically different to what people are used to hearing which is four to five minute songs so it'll have not an impact on the musicians but also on the music they produce because you're just catering to it's you're putting people in a literal 30 second box i think interestingly someone who has managed to completely avoid this tiktok trend phenomena and at the same time be really popular and kind of at the center of it in a paradoxical kind of situation is taylor swift because both her albums were literally each song was a story and you had to listen to the whole song to understand what the lyrics were and where she was coming from and barely like they didn't have any kind of like hooks which were meant for tiktok or meant for like you know these 30 second attention spans and she really went into this like lyrical my like space where she wasn't even writing for herself at one point she was literally just writing stories and that's something which kind it never really made that big of a splash on tiktok and yet it became such both those albums became such successes for her and i think that's what we were talking about earlier right that shift in music and how people really connected to different kinds of music and music which was made with an intent to touch the soul it wasn't made with the intent of partying and clubbing or something superficial you know and i think that's something which kind of taylor swift kind of brings back to an extent and not just taylor swift like a lot of these indie artists but taylor swift comes to mind first also i did not mean to put taylor swift and indie artists in the same category it's just that her music has been a bit in that direction yes the disclaimer <laughs> So as we are nearing the end of this episode something that we can really segue into is the social aspect of it since we've spoken so much about uh like the whole technical and statistical aspect of the music industry and stuff so coming to the social aspect i think in the past one year or two you know with all the things that have happened uh considering the coronavirus pandemic and uh especially the black lives movement i mean something that we've seen in music is representation uh we really are experiencing a new golden age of protest music you know people are gathering sounds and music from various different artists across time or spaces to express their will of representation whether it be the black lives movement or the representation in lgbtq plus or body positivity movements and various other communities so like what do you guys think about this when it comes to representation in music I think previously work you know what we discussed about how people are discovering new new music on platforms and um, stuff 
kind of relates to this because uh, speaking from like an Indian perspective, I guess, uh, a lot of indie Indian music is getting really popular and that too in like different languages. So like a lot of, so for me, for example, a lot of Bengali bands have become very, we have become mainstay in my playlist because that's the kind of music I kind of started gravitating towards. And you find this representation of yourself and the kind of like, you know, world that you come from in the music. And you kind of start realizing that their words and their words and you kind of connect. And that's something which I think might not have happened without this pandemic happening in the first place. Like, you know, you would not have reached out towards certain music, towards certain languages if you didn't feel so disconnected and looked at music as a way to connect. Yes. And what about you, Nikhil? Okay, so, yeah, I'll uh, try to relate this loosely to what we're discussing. So I think when you talk about representation, uh, once again, earlier I mentioned somewhat of an evening of the playing field that's taking place. Um, And right now what is happening is that before you would see music sorted into these very traditional categories like Western music, classical music, okay, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, what is happening now is that these platforms, in my experience, Spotify and YouTube music, they do not pander to these uh, old kind of traditional musical stereotypes almost. In Instead, they aim to cater to you as a listener individually. And what that does is that it focuses on the sound only, so if I listen to music that uh, to a to a piece of music that sounds a certain way, the algorithm gauges my interest in that uh, form of music. How it does that is beyond my understanding. But what the the net effect of that is that people are only being made to listen to what they like to listen to, not who they like to listen to. Because you look up an artist, they most likely have uh, somewhat of a rather global name. It's not like a, a nickel, right? They have uh, a global identity and you don't know who they are. You don't know where they're from, but you like their music and you listen to it. And even if they're a small indie artist, you uh, they're not dependent on these big production music videos or their appearance. It's just about their music. So I think there is a form of organic representation that is taking place with the playing field being evened out a little bit because now the art, the algorithm won't push a Taylor Swift song to you. Rather, it'll push a song that sounds pop, if that makes sense. Like, if you like Taylor Swift music, it'll look for music that sounds similar, not from yeah, similar artists, right? So I think, yeah, that's a good form of, like, authentic, organic representation that is not being curated, that is taking place. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's, a, I mean, to be honest, I think that's a really good way to uh wind up this episode <laughs> we've really covered a lot of topics when it comes to music in general and many aspects of it you know we we've, we've spoken about all the different aspects that we've witnessed over the past year and a half including how the music industry has been affected by covid and how the consumer patterns have changed and how consumer behavior has changed we've also come up with some solutions uh for the industry that can help artists everywhere um and we've spoken a lot about streaming and distribution and just all of that in general and i think it's i think representation in music is a really good way to 
good way to close the entire episode because we've spoken so much about supporting artists and stuff like that so i think that's a really good way so that brings us to the end thank you nikhil and atrey for joining us for this segment it was amazing talking to you guys and just having a discussion about something you know we're all so passionate about and that we all just love to talk about i hope you guys had fun yeah thank you for having us yes So thank you to our listeners for tuning in. You can listen to us on Spotify, Anchor.fm and Apple Podcast and you can follow us on Instagram at reverb.radio.ssla and also special thanks and shout out to Bandemonium for collaborating with us. Do follow them on Instagram at ssla bandemonium. Let us know your thoughts and see you guys in the next episode. Hope you guys liked it. <laughs>